Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripes. Again, my name is Brian and I have been a diehard Yankees fan since I was about 7 years old. The goal of the Historic Pinstripes is, as always, to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players and moments in Yankees history. So once again, thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Historic Pinstripes. Our topic today is on the 1938 New York Yankees. Of course, the last two episodes I've done have been uh, based on the 1930s, late 1930s Yankees that won four in a row. I started with the 1936 Yankees, 1937 when they went back to back, and now the 1938 Yankees. Um, And basically all three teams were, I mean really all four teams because obviously as we know now, the the 1936-39 Yankees were the first Yankees team to, and the first team ever in baseball history to go four in a row, winning four World Series in a row. Um, but so let's uh, getting right into it. Um, the the 1938 New York Yankees they were 99 and 53 that year. They had five ties. Of course, there was no lights, so a lot of times if if there was a close game and it was late and it was getting dark, then they wouldn't be able to finish the game because the, because in a lot of baseball stadiums, I don't know if there was any stadiums actually that had any lights. Um, so they were 99 to 53, basically. Um, I don't know if they really counted the ties as much, but um, I believe the Yankees were far and away the best team in baseball at the time still. Um, the attendance for the Yankees that year, they were first in the league. First, There were only eight teams in each league um, back then, of course. A lot less teams. Um, they're of course no, well before the wild cards. Um, it was just the American League. If you win the American League division, the American League pennant. Like if you win the American League, the the division was the pennant basically, because there was only eight teams. And so, as I said, the attendance was 970,916, which was the best in baseball um, for the New York Yankees. Um, they ended up going to the World Series that year. They won. They swept the Cubs that year instead of the New York Giants, the first time the New York Giants hadn't been in the World Series in, a, in uh, at least two years. Um, the Cubs were 89-63 and 63 that year, so that's quite a big disparity between the two best teams in baseball, supposedly. The Cubs, who won only 89 games, and the Yankees won 10 more games than, than the teams that they were playing in the World Series. That's pretty interesting. Um, it just kind of shows you how great the Yankees were compared to the rest of the league. Um, so let's get right into the Yankee Yankee roster. And the first guy I'm going to mention, of course, is Bill Dickey. Bill Dickey was 31 years old now, becoming a veteran. Um, I've kind of, as, as of now, you probably know a lot more about Bill, Bill Dickey because um, I talked to him, talked about him in the first couple episodes. But this year, in 1938, Bill Dickey had a heck of a season. He was actually second in, MV, in the MVP voting that year. Um, the the one that the 1938 MVP winner was none other than Jimmy Fox, Hall of Famer for the Boston Red Sox. He hit 349, 50 home runs, 175 RBI. So, I mean, it's hard to say that he didn't deserve that. Um, but Bill Dickey, anyways, he hit 313, so he was not too shabby himself. Hit 27 home runs, 115 RBIs. And also, not to mention, he was a great defensive catcher. And, of course, as we know now, he became uh, quite the coach. And also, of course, being a mentor to two of the greatest Yankees catchers after him, which was Elston Howard and uh, Yogi Berra. And you can make a case that Yogi Berra was even better than Bill Dickey. Um, but uh, Yogi Berra has been very, he had been very uh, vocal about um, 
if it wasn't for Bill Dickey, he wouldn't have uh, been the catcher he was. Um, but so that speaks a lot for Bill Dickey. Um, Bill Dickey, he even had a four a four twelve on base percentage. He had um, 132 games played, 533 plate appearances, four triples, 27 27 doubles that year. So he had a very very good season, of course, being the second um, in the MVP, and he was an All Star, of course. Um, another All Star, and this guy who was his final season, pretty much the, the the last great season he had, of course, for coming to ALS in 1939, the streak, the first uh, first time Lou Gehrig, um, you know, the, when he ended the streak was 1939. Um, so this was really his last really, really good season. And it to, for his standards, it wasn't it wasn't that good of a season. But for anybody else, it was a it was a very very good season. He he was even 19th in the MVP voting. I think back then they used to have a lot more people in the running for MVP. They used to vote for a lot more people. Anyway, at least it seems like. But Lou Gehrig, anyways, in 1938, he was 35 years old. He wasn't an All Star first baseman. He was he batted 295, played in 132 games. So right there, you can see that you know he was there. There had to be some things that were bothering him. And of course, as we know now, ALS was a uh, you know the the biggest cause. Um, he had 29 home runs though, still 114 RBIs, uh, on base percentage of 410. He was uh, he led the league in games, um, and actually he was tied for the league lead in uh, games played with his teammate Frankie Crosetti, the shortstop. Um, they both had 157 games played. Um, uh, he struck out only 75 times. Lou Gehrig did. In 684 plate appearances, he stole six bases, which is pretty incredible considering he was, you know, he was always feel, starting to feel the effects of ALS. And of course, that wasn't that wasn't his game. He was more of a power power guy, but he, you know, he was just a great athlete. Um, he had six triples, 32 doubles, and he was hit five times, um, hit by pitch. And so uh, the the second baseman was Joe Gordon. 23 years old. Um, this was Joe Gordon's rookie year. Uh, of course, um, as I said in the last episode, 1937, after the year, Tony Lazzari, who was the second baseman, that was his final season for the New York Yankees. Um, of course, becoming a Hall of Famer eventually. Um, so the Yankees had an opening, and this guy, Joe Gordon, was right there in the minor leagues, and he was ready to go. Uh, so Joe Gordon, um, he really picked up where Tony Lazzari left off. He didn't have the greatest uh, regular season, but he really picked it up in the World Series for the Yankees. He had 255 in the season, 25 home runs. He had 97 RBIs. He even had an on-base percentage of 340. Um, he had 127 games played, struck out to 72 times. Um, actually, another note going back to Bill Dickey, he only struck out 22 times in 132 games that he played. That was just remarkable. Um and uh, so, um, but getting back to Joe Gordon, he had, uh, like I said, he had 25 home runs, 97 RBIs, batted 255 in the regular season, 24 doubles, and 11 stolen bases for Joe Gordon, uh, seven triples. And of course, being a rookie, he did not make the All Star team, but he did finish t- uh, 12th in the MVP voting. So that right there shows you how good Joe Gordon was his rookie year. And um, not just that, but getting into the World Series, he was a really uh, uh, a really pivotal uh, player for the Yankees in that World Series um, against the Chicago Cubs. So the next guy, of course, is the shortstop, Frankie Corsetti. Frankie Corsetti was 27 years old, 
Um, he also had was in the MVP voting, and obviously there was a lot of MVP MVP candidates for the New York Yankees um, that were in the running for the American League MVP. Um, Frankie Crosetti was a shortstop. He had 263. He had an 89 uh, OPS plus, um, which is again OPS plus is uh, on base plus slugging adjusted, and it just uh, 100 is league average. It basically shows your overall offensive output for the team and if it's over 100 it just shows you shows you that that person is a a really very good um offensive player. Frankie Crusetti was not known for his offense, but he wasn't bad. Um he 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 got the job done back in those days, especially shortstops. They were not known for their offense, they were more known for his defense and Frankie Crusetti was really no exception. Um but he did have um he he did have a good bat. He actually was really good at getting on base. He even had a, a team leading 15 hit by pitches, and I believe back then that was um, considered well, even even for today's standards or like uh, maybe like 15 years ago when Johnny Damian was uh, playing, he used to get hit by pitch a lot. But he was a leadoff hitter, and he would look for look to try to you know he would try to find a way to just get on base, and I'm sure that was a big part of Frankie Cassetti's game is just getting on base and, and uh, letting the guys in back of him, like Joe DiMaggio, Bill Dickey, Lou Gehrig, Joe Gordon, even Red Rolf, who's the next guy I wanted to mention. Red Rolf was 29 years old, left-handed hitter for the New York Yankees. Um, he By this time, he was already a, he was a, a bona fide starter for the Yankees, um, all-star, uh, third baseman, batted 311 for the Yankees that year in 1938, had a 107 on-base slugging adjusted, 10 home runs, 80 RBIs, a 3.86 on base percentage, played in 151 games, and struck out just 44 times. He had 715 plate appearances, which is the second on the team, only to Frankie Crosetti, and um, he had 13 doubles. And Red Rolf also had 13 uh, stolen bases. He had 36 doubles, which led the led the team, and he had eight triples as well. Um, also, he had uh, six. Sacrifice hits as well. So Red Rope was a very good baseball player. Um, as far as I know, he was also a very good defensive third baseman. Um, I don't know if, how I don't I don't really know a whole lot about Red Rope, but I know he was he was considered one of the better Yankees third basemen in their history. Um, I'm not sure if he was as good as like Greg Nettles defensively or Cleet Boyer, but um, Red Rope. But of course, as time goes on, some sometimes like. Obviously, I grew up watching the late 80s and early 90s teams, so I didn't really know a whole lot about Red Roof. But um, after looking at a lot of the numbers and like watching some things that I've seen on YouTube, like documentaries and stuff, you, you kind of learn that some of these older, how good some of these older players were. And Red Roof was a really, really good player. Um, so he was the third baseman. Of course, going to the outfield, we got. George Selkirk, again, left-handed hitter. He was 30 years old now, getting a little bit older. Um, still, it seems like he must have had some injuries at this point in his career because he only played 99 games. He had 254, 10 home runs, 62 RBIs, OPS plus of 99. So not bad, um, but not, not like basically average offensive player um, compared to the rest of the league anyway. But uh, he had 407 plate appearances, 9 stolen bases, 12 doubles. So pretty, I mean, I guess a decent season for George Selkirk. Um, 
Tommy Heinrich, left-handed hitter. This was his second year now in, base, in baseball for the New York Yankees. He was 25 years old, mostly played right field. He was a 270 batting average. He also had an, a 120 on-base plus slugging adjusted, so above average offensive player. 22 home runs, 91 RBIs. He probably really picked it up considering that Lou Gehrig's numbers came down so much from the 1937 season. And, of course, Lou Gehrig still had a great season, but for his own standards, it wasn't what people were expecting. Um, to have a guy like Tommy Heinrich had to be big for them. And uh, uh, another stat was on-base percentage for Tommy Heinrich. He had a 391 on on-base percentage, which was very good. Still not not as good as Lou Gehrig, of course, even, even in – in 1938 when he was starting to feel the effects of ALS. But, you know, Tommy Heinrich was a very good baseball player. He played 131 games. Um, he had uh, only struck out 32 times that year in the 575 plate appearances. He had six stolen bases, 24 doubles, and seven triples. Um, he also had 10 sacrifice hits. And, uh, the of course, the center fielder, 23-year-old Joe DiMaggio, all-Star was sixth in the MVP voting. He had 321, led the league. Um, he had 139 on, on base plus slugging adjusted. So, um, of course, Joe DiMaggio, great baseball player, great offensive player, great defensive player. Um, he uh, led the Yankees in home runs with 32. He had 140 RBIs as well, also leading the Yankees. Um, of course, usually this, those two stats were um, – the team leader was Lou Gehrig, of course, uh, but of course with Lou Gehrig having an off year and of course being because of ALS as well. Uh, but of course at the time they did not know what was ALS. They didn't know what was going on, um, but they just knew something was not right with Gehrig. Um, but uh, so uh, Maggio had a had a you know he he was not known for his home runs. Of course, part of it was that he was a right-handed hitter. I believe most of his home runs, for, most of the home runs for Joe DiMaggio, were hit on the road because um, at, at the original Yankee Stadium, the ballpark, especially in for a right-handed hitter, it was it was like to hit the ball out into left field, left center field. Unless you hit the ball down the left field line, which was I think about the same as the right field line. I think it was like back back then it was like 297 or something like that. Um, maybe even 279 or something like that. Well, it was very short. But in left field, it would jet out so much that it would end up going out to, like, I think, like, 490-something feet in, like, uh, deep center field or something like that. It might have even gone out to 50, 500 feet. Um, so, I mean, I, the, the, that right there shows you how hard it would be for a right-handed hitter to hit home runs. And just for Joe DiMaggio to hit 32 home runs being a right-handed hitter playing most of his games in Yankee Stadium shows you how great Joe DiMaggio was as a baseball player. And, of course, the Yankees really needed it, especially with the kind of the, the uh, downturn in numbers of Lou Gehrig. However, you know, with that said, Lou Gehrig still had a very good year. Um, also, another staggering number by Joe DiMaggio, he played in 145 games, and he only struck out 21 times. Um, that's uh, one strikeout per 28 at-bats for uh, Joe DiMaggio in 1938. That's insane. Um, he had uh, 660 at-bats, six stolen bases, 32 doubles, uh, 13 triples led the team, and he had been hit two times. He also had, he also had been um, intentionally walked 11 times that year in 1938. So that's basically that's the Yankees lineup. The bench players for the New York Yankees, um, 
There's Merrill Hogue, who played left field and right field for the Yankees. Jake Powell, left field. Uh, Bill Knickerbocker was now the backup um, second baseman for the Yankees in 1938. Um, and uh, the backup catcher was Joe Glenn. Um, and then there was uh, backup corner infielder Babe Dahlgren, who played first base and third base, of course, now because Lou Gehrig only played like 157 games, so which really he still played all the games, but there were a few games where he probably had to come out at times because he didn't have quite like he played. Uh, Lou Gehrig played 157 games, the same amount as Frankie Crosetti, but Frankie Crosetti had 757 at bats or plate appearances rather, and plate appearances is basically it just tells you um, it's like every time you step up to the plate. Um, and uh, Lou Gehrig only had 689, so they must have used Babe Dahlgren as a pitch hitter or just basically to go in the game if they thought Lou Gehrig needed a break, um, which was probably a lot more than they were used to. So Babe Dahlgren was that guy who would uh, probably play and substitute for Gehrig when they needed him. But um, obviously Lou Gehrig still made all his starts, and um, I'm sure there were games that... Um, he must have started the games a lot of times and then just didn't uh, finish the games. And I believe also because of the, t- the because of the ties, they uh, they probably that might have been the um, the the amount of games that they basically played, um, unless you count the ties. But anyways, uh, so so Babe Dahlgren was the corner infielder for the Yankees. Um, Babe Dahlgren he played 27 games, 44 plate appearances. He also played third base as well. Um, he didn't ha- have that many numbers. As a pitch hitter, he was 1-for-9. Um, Joe Glenn, the backup catcher, was 0-for-2 as a pitch hitter. There really wasn't a whole lot of... Uh, I mean, it's it's really hard to be a pitch hitter, to come up off the bench and as as just a, a you know d- just sitting there, and then all of a sudden your name is called by the manager and you, you need to come up and hit. The only guy that really seemed to have a lot of success as a pitch hitter was Miro Hogue the left fielder, right fielder, um, basically backup left fielder, right fielder, must have played, he, I think he, he he and George Selkirk shared some time in left field, um, but Merrill Hogue, he, uh, he was 4 for 17 with three RBIs as a pitch hitter, um, and he hit 277 for the Yankees for that season, 48 RBIs, no home runs, four stolen bases, Jake Powell, he did not have that great of a year, but he played some left field, um, also, Bill, Nick, Bill Knickerbocker did play some second base for the Yankees, but mostly it was Joe Gordon. So that's basically uh, another note that I did notice too was there's another there's a the third catcher Arnt Georgians who really only played nine games, so he wasn't really a big force in the Yankees lineup. Um, really not a force at all, you could say, um, because he really only had two RBIs. He had like uh, two doubles, um, played nine games, so he really it's a very small sample size. But I I didn't know um I learned one thing is that he was born in Norway so I thought that was interesting to know um but that's basically the Yankees lineup for that season um another one last thing is that Frankie Crosetti led the league in hit by pitches five years in a row um so I just thought that was an interesting note the Yankees had four All Stars um four All Star position players which were Joe DiMaggio Lou Gehrig Bill Dickey and Red Rolfe the third baseman. Um, of course, going around the the, the defense, uh, you had George Selkirk and uh, Merrill Hogue, and sometimes Jake Powell in left field, Joe DiMaggio in center field, 
You got Tommy Heinrich as your starting um, right fielder. Barrow Hogue sometimes at, in right field. Lou Gehrig at first base. Joe Gordon at second base. Frankie Corzetti at shortstop. Red Ralph at third base. And Bill Dickey was the catcher. And that's quite a defensive lineup for the Yankees. Joe Gordon uh, filling the uh, second base spot for Tony Lazzari, who was a very well-liked Yankees player, but he was getting up there in age, and his numbers had ticked down. And uh, Tony Lazzari's numbers had come down quite a bit in 1937 until the Yankees ended up releasing him. And um, I think he might have moved on to another team before he ended up, before he ended up retiring, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure about that. But Joel Gordon definitely filled in admirably for the, New, for the New York Yankees in 1938. The coaching staff that year in 1938 was Joe McCarthy, again, being the manager. He was 51 years old. Art Fletcher was 55 years old. And I believe Art Fletcher might have been the pitching coach, but I'm not 100% sure. Earl Coombs was another coach for the Yankees. Um, he was uh, 39 years old. Of course, Earl Coombs was part of the Murderer's Road team. He was the leadoff hitter. Played a lot of center field for the Yankees back in the 1920s. Johnny Schult um, was also a coach for the Yankees, and, and he was 41 years old. So that was the Yankees' coaching staff and their position players, defense, and all that. Uh, the pitching rotation for the New York Yankees in 1938, you had their their ace this year. It kind of sw- swapped between Red Ruffing and Lefty Gomez, but this year the the uh, Red Ruffing actually ended up having a better season, even though the Yankees really still kind of had those that one-two punch of red, red roughing and lefty Gomez um, that really gave them, that gave, must have given them a big edge for the for the entire league. But also Monty Pearson, I did not know how good of a pitcher he was. Um, he had, he was, was kind of overshadowed by the top two guys, red roughing and lefty Gomez. Um, but anyways, uh, starting with red roughing, he was an all-star, was fourth in the MVP voting in 1938, led the league with 21 wins, 21 and seven, in fact. He had a 3.31 ERA, 31 starts, 22 games, uh, 22 complete games, rather. He had pitched three shutouts. He had 247 and a third innings pitched. And he also had an ERA plus of 138, which is sort of like the Ambrose plus slugging adjusted, but for uh, pitchers. And, um, of course, uh, uh, the the higher you are above 100, it just... uh, Compared to, um, it's basically something that is like compared to the rest of the league, and is um, it has to do with the it's adjusted to the uh, the park that the pitchers uh, pitched in and the the competition level. So um, obviously, Red Ruffing was one of the top pitchers in the game. Um, Lefty Gomez, 29 years old, he was an, another MVP candidate. He was 30th, um, which is interesting that they had 30 candidates. Uh, there was 30 guys that got some sort of votes in the MVP voting. Of course, he didn't get very many because he was 30th. But just to be considered, just shows you that he had a pretty guard, pretty darn good year. He was also an all-star, just like Red Ruffing. Uh, Lefty Gomez was 18-12, and 12, a 3.35 ERA, 32 starts. He pitched 22 complete games. He had a league-leading four shutouts for the Yankees. Um, he had 234 innings pitched, 136 ERA+. Plus, and he had a walks and hits for innings pitched of 1.41. I believe Lefty Gomez was known for, um, like, he was known for letting guys on, but just not uh, not giving in and not letting those runners score. Um, so 
uh, Lefty Gomez, Red Ruffing, you couldn't really have a better one-two punch than that back then. Um, and uh, the third starter, Monty Pearson, 29 years old. He was 16-7 and seven with a 3.97 ERA, 27 uh, starts, 28 games played. Um, he had 17 complete games pitched, one shutout, 202 innings pitched, 115 ERA plus. Um, and he also had a 1.54 walks and hits per innings pitched. Of course, uh, again, for walks and hits per innings pitched, it basically shows um, the like shows how many like so it shows that the the pitchers who have a higher walks and hits per innings pitch tend to give up more walks and hits, um, and it, they just let more runners on base. Um, it not, doesn't necessarily mean that they were a bad pitcher because. Um, it, it's basically, like that's just if you get run leave run sometimes you leave runners on base and some pitchers are good at once they get runners on base they're able to get out of it some pitchers are not good at that like for instance Spud Chandler had a uh, 1.34 walks and hits per innings pitched and Lefty Gomez had a 1.41 walks and hits per innings pitched so you can't really say that Spud Chandler had a better season because he didn't because Spud Chandler's ERA was 4.03 in 1938, and Lefty Gomez was 3.35. But, of course, you know, Spud Chandler was also, I think it was only like his second full season in the major leagues as well, and he was not, like, Lefty Gomez, everybody knew, was a great pitcher. Spud Chandler, they didn't really know that much about. Um, I don't think he had the potential that people didn't think that he was as good as Lefty Gomez. So, and it showed with the numbers. Um so, uh, but anyways, uh, Spud Chandler was still 14 and five. He had a, he had a good year, um, good number four starter for the Yankees. I, I believe um, I, I don't know how the rotation went back then, of course, but I would imagine um, that they probably used him and the next guy as kind of spot starters. And uh, um, but I would imagine the, the the top three: Red Ruffing, Lefty Gomez, and Monty Pearson were the ones that really got the the bulk of the work. But but anyways, so uh the fifth starter, Bump Hadley, was thirty three years old. He was nine and eight with a three six O ERA, thirteen starts, twenty nine games pitched. He had eight complete games pitched. Uh Spud Chandler had fourteen complete games pitched. Um and uh Bud uh Bump Hadley, who was also known as Irving Hadley, he had pitched hundred and sixty seven and a third innings pitched Spud Chandler had 172 innings pitched. Um, Spud Chandler had a 113 ERA plus, and Bob Hadley had a 127 ERA plus. So overall, the Yankees had uh, five starting pitchers with ERA um, adjusted uh, stats that were at least 113 and over. Um, so I mean that that right there shows you how good the Yankees rotation was back then um, compared to the rest of the league. Um, the bullpen for the Yankees. We're starting with all-star 29-year-old Johnny Murphy, right-handed pitcher. He was their closer, or technically, he was he was what you would call their closer back then. Um, they didn't really shoot for saves that much, and I don't even know if they really had the the save uh, statistic back then. But they have been able to to tally it throughout the years. Um, and Johnny Murphy actually led the league with 11 saves, which is interesting because no- nowadays that um, that's basically all closers do. Um, but uh, you know, back then, closers, were, they would come into games, and they would even start games and sometimes have to go the whole game and pitch complete games. But anyways, Johnny Murphy, he made, uh, he, he 
He even made two starts, but he pitched in 32 games, had a 4-2-4 ERA, was 8-2, 91 and a third innings pitched. Uh, he finished 26 games for the Yankees. He also, um, like I said, he led the league in saves. He had a 108 ERA adjusted as well. Then there was Steve Sundra, who was a right-handed reliever for the Yankees, 28 years old. He was 6-4 with a 4-8-0 ERA, 25 games pitched, 8 starts, 23 and two-thirds innings. Um, he had 15 games finished, 3 complete games. Um, also, Johnny Murphy had one complete game as well. Um, and a 95 ERA plus for Steve Sundra, so a little bit uh, uh, below average, but um, the, uh, uh, I guess you could say about average. But anyway, they also had a rookie in the uh, in the relief core, Joe Beggs, who was 27 years old. He was 3-2 and two with a 5-4-0 ERA, pitched in 14 games, 9 starts, 58 in the third innings pitched, 3 games finished in 4 complete games, um, and also he had an 85 ERA plus. And um, 31-year-old Ivy Andrews, he was 1-3 and three with a 3.00 ERA. He had 19 games pitched, one start, 48 innings pitched, 12 complete games, and one save. Ivy Andrews was the only pitcher for the New York Yankees in 1938 to have a save other than Johnny Murphy. Of course, back then they weren't really they weren't really shooting for saves. It was only they they only went in really for a save if if the starting pitcher couldn't pitch the entire game. So they would bring in usually Johnny Murphy. If not, I, I guess the only other guy they brought in in that type of role was Ivy Andrews. Um, and also Ivy Andrews, this was his last year in the major leagues. Um, I believe he did pitch a couple times in the minor leagues, though, af after 1938. And some other relief pitchers that the Yankees used but they didn't really use them that much. They also started as well a few times. It was Wes Farrell, he pitched in five games, four starts. Atlee Donald, two games, two starts. Joe Vance, three games, one start. Lee Stein, four games. Um, and Kemp Wicker, who was a left-handed reliever, um, he pitched in one game. So those guys weren't as prominent in the Yankees bullpen or the Yankees rotation, but they helped out, and that, they were, so they were a part of the Yankee roster in 1938. Um, just not a big part of it. Um, but the, there were three All-Stars that year for the New York Yankees, of course, Red Ruffing and Lefty Gomez, but also Johnny Murphy as well, who was um, the star relief pitcher of that generation. Um, seven All-Stars on the team altogether. Joe DiMaggio, Lou Gehrig, Red Ruffed, Bill Dickey, and, of course, Red Ruffing, Lefty Gomez, and Johnny Murphy, as I had just mentioned. Um, so that was basically the Yankees' uh, r roster. And, um, they, you know, again, they won 99 games, ended up facing the Chicago Cubs in the World Series. They swept the Cubs. But going through that World Series, the Yankees, they won the first game 3-1 to one against the Chicago Cubs. Red Ruffing pitched in that game and he got the win and the the losing pitcher was Bill Lee for the Chicago Cubs of course not the same Bill Lee that pitched for the Red Sox in the 1970s um, obviously this was in the 1930s um, but uh, so that was the first win for the Yankees in the World Series game two Yankees versus the Cubs Yankees won six to three um, Lefty Gomez got the win Dizzy Dean got the loss and Johnny Murphy got the save and actually, that game is on uh, YouTube. You can listen to the game on radio. Um, and I, I don't believe they had the games on TV back then. But 
it, uh, I was listening to it the other day, and it was interesting because one of the things that they said, uh, the broadcaster, I forget which one said it, it was either Tom Manning or uh, Red Barber, but they were doing the pregame, and they were saying that Lefty Gomez um, liked the name Lefty, and Dizzy Dean liked that his teammates called him Dizzy. So it was just, I don't know, it just kind of made me laugh. I thought it was an interesting uh, quote by the broadcaster in the beginning. So the Yankees won the first two games, 3-1 to one in the first, um, and then 6-3 the in the second game of the series. Um, and, then, and another thing I noticed, too, um, the Yankees had the best record between the two teams, but the, the, the series actually started in Chicago, and then after game two, they went to New York to finish up the series, or, well, Obviously, the at the time, you know, the Cubs were trying to trying to bring the game back to Chicago for Game Six, but Game Three was in New York, and um, the Yankees won the game five to two. Monty Pearson got the win off, uh, and uh, the losing pitcher was Clay Bryant. And then the Yankees won the game eight to three, winning the World Series three um, three years in a row. Red Ruffing got the win. Bill Lee got the loss. Of course, Red Ruffing went on to win his second game in the World Series. He was 2-0 with two complete games pitched. He had a 1.50 ERA in the World Series that season and 11 strikeouts. Um, uh, some other uh, notes for that World Series. Bill Dickey, he was 6-15 that year, played in all four games. Um, he had two doubles, one stolen base, a home run. Um, Bill Dickey had a very good World Series right there. Joe Gordon, a rookie, second baseman, he hit 400 as well in the World Series. He was 6 for 15 um, in all four games, two doubles, a home run, and also six RBIs for um, for Joe Gordon and Bill Dickey. And uh, Lou Gehrig, he hit 286 in the series, which isn't bad. He was 4 for 14, um, and he did not have a home run, which is interesting. Um, but, of course, because, you know, he, he just um, it wasn't – they could tell something was just wrong with Lou Gehrig, and obviously at the time they didn't know, but it was ALS. And then Frankie Crosetti, he had a home run, six RBIs, two doubles, and a triple. He was four for 16 in the World Series, and Merrill Hogue was two for five. He had 400, um, a double, and an RBI for the Yankees in the 1938 World Series. And, the, um, you know, the Yankees, they were just by far and away the best team in baseball by this time in the major leagues, um, it just seems like um, like between the New York Giants, the Giants actually had a little bit better luck. Like in the first year, 1936, there were six games. 1937 was five games, and then after that, the Yankees. It seems like seems like the Yankees really started cooking after that uh, World Series, of course, because as we know now, the Yankees won in 1939. But of course, 1939 was a little bit different. But we can get into that. Uh, next week. But anyways, time to get into some trivia. And uh, before I get into the trivia, I just wanted to give you the questions um, from last week and, and, and answer those. The first question from last week was, name the first two Yankees players to hit a walk-off home run in a World Series winner-take-all game. And the answer was Chris Chambliss in 1976, um, Game 5, in the ALCS against the Kansas City Royals. And Aaron Boone, Game 7 of the 2003 American League Championship Series. The second question, in 2000, who hit a two-run single in the ninth inning of Game 5 of the World Series to give the Yankees a 4-2 victory over the Mets 
and their third straight title. It was second baseman, infielder, shortstop, third baseman, sometimes Luis Soho. And the third question, in 1904, what Yankees pitcher set a club record by winning 14 consecutive starts? And that was, his nickname was Happy. It was Happy Jack Chesbro. And actually, I believe he even won, um, it was like in 1908, he won like 41 games as well, Happy Jack Chesbro. Uh, so now that leaves us to this week's trivia questions. And um, if you know any of the following questions that I'm going to talk, going to uh, give you, um, you can feel free to email us the answers at historicpinstripes at gmail dot com, or you can just feel free to answer them, um, you know, as I mentioned the questions just to yourself and uh, just see if you know it if you want. Or but if you would like to reply to us, feel free. Um, you can also comment on social media as well. Um, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and um, uh, we're also on TikTok as well. Um, but I, again, just I appreciate you listening. And the first question is: Name the first three players to hit home runs in the postseason for both the Yankees and the Red Sox. That's the first question for this week. Second question is: Who hit the first pitch hit home run in World Series history? And this one goes back a, a little ways, but um, you know, it's definitely a Yankee you know. So now the third question and the final question for this week for the trivia is name the first three players who homered for the Mets and the Yankees in the postseason. So those are the three trivia questions for this week's um, Historic Pinstripes. I just want to thank you all for listening. And before I let you go, the Historic Pinstripes is a proud member of the 4041 Media family with other podcasts such as Movie Theater, Time Machine, Psych Your Crime, Free Your Geek, a bunch of other podcasts. And you can feel free to go to www.4041media.com for more information. Thank you all very much for listening. Um, as always, go Yankees! <laughs>